a couple of weeks ago, I started a little thing, and I probably finished tonight, hopefully. I just wanted to talk about um, uh, just uh, a, a, a number one thing that will help you uh, grow and mature spiritually, and that is faithfulness. And the title of this is Be an Owner, Not Just a Member. You know, member is a selfish thing. You can be member of a club uh, where it, you know, gives you certain benefits. But when you own something, that is, you help make it happen. You know, I started a business 30-something years ago, and I promise you, ain't nothing happening with that business until I got my hind end up and made it happen, right? And if you got your own business, you know what I mean. And, and uh, so uh, the local church is that way. Y you only get out what you put in, and the local church is a breeding ground for spiritual growth and development. But the key is, it just doesn't work unless you apply yourself and do more than just come and occupy a seat and warm it with your backside. You got to get up and do something. How many hear me? So faithfulness is a real key. And uh, this is more important today now than ever because we're living in the days it looks like just prior to Jesus returning. And, and, and God wants to use every single member of the body of Christ in a tremendous way. How many hear me? Not just pastors, not just the staff team members at a local church, but every single member of the local church is, is vital today that we find our place and be used by God to bless and help other people, right? And so the key to doing that is faithfulness. A couple of scripture started off last time with Hebrews 10, 24, 25. This is New King James. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So again, the enemy's plan, you know, if he can isolate you, uh, he can defeat you. And that's what I mentioned last time. That's what, that's what a pride of lions will do. Uh, when I was on the Serengeti Plain, I mentioned this in our, in our membership class last Sunday. You know, in uh, 2005, I went on a safari and I was uh, in the Serengeti Plain and actually saw a pride of lions as they sat in different places in the field and then the little animals, the, the zebras and the, and the little antelope and different little animals who come by. And they always uh, walk together in a pack or in a family and they're just w looking for one that will isolate. And the one that isolates, you can see the lion, he'll get up. One will get up and he prick his ears and they'll look at him and then the other ones do. And they can get that one little dude to get off by himself there to feed him and eat him. And see, that's what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants to get us by ourselves. And, uh, you know, a sad thing is COVID was very effective in isolating people. And, uh, you know, you've read the articles I have too of, uh, of the uh, mental challenges and emotional challenges people are still having several years later after COVID, particularly among the young. Did you hear me? And so how many of you know we're, 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 we're social creatures and God created us to be together. And the Bible introduces us as the family of God, as that, a family and as a body. We're the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We're the body. And 1 Corinthians 12 says members in particular. And that means we're interrelated. And what if my stomach decided to take a break and not be part of my body? I couldn't eat and digest my food and I'd have no energy. Is that true? And you could take any organ of the body and, and play that game with it, but it's the same way with the body of Christ. If the enemy can fracture us and keep us individualized, thinking that we don't need each other, then he can defeat the plan that God has for the end time army that God's raising up in the body of Christ. I mean, hear me. So that's even more reason that we need to be together today. How I many hear me? And then Ecclesiastes 4. I love this New Living Translation. Two people are better off than one. 
for they can help each other succeed. If one, verse 10, per, one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. My father always kept twine in his shop when I was a little boy. And you can take a singular piece of string, break it fairly easy. You can even take two strands of a fairly small string. And, and you know, if you're stronger, you can break them. But when you put three together and braid them together, it's a whole nother story, right? And that's the reason a rope is made that way. When I was a little boy, we, uh, we had different things than you have today. I and mean, we, we actually took wrists on the playground. We had this big, we had this big rope that was probably... Um, Gee, at least 20 feet high up in the air, and, and, at, uh, uh, and during recess, we would climb the rope and then, you know, ring a little bell at the top. And they wouldn't do anything like that now for fear somebody would fall and then would, they would be sued. But they did it when I was young. It was a different day. But that rope was, you know, bra braided together. It's a strong rope. It would hold a really heavy person. So nonetheless, we need each other. There's strength in numbers. And uh, we need the family of God and we need a local church. Again, a local church is a breeding ground for spiritual growth. Uh, but it doesn't work in and of itself and by itself alone. It has to have our cooperation. The cooperation that we give the Lord is the idea of being faithful to him in small things. Faithfulness causes maturity. Faithfulness breeds character. How many hear me? And God is looking for people that he can trust. So he looks for us. He looks for faithfulness in us to begin with in very small ways. I ended last time with this verse, Romans 1.1. Paul, he says, a bondservant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle and then uh, separated to the gospel of God. And I mentioned that, see, there's a difference between being called by God and then being separated to what God has called you to do. So for the Apostle Paul, he was called to be an apostle. He was also a teacher. So it's one thing to be called, another thing to be separated to the call. Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. So let me say this. I want to introduce these things again, that, that when you come to Jesus, God downloads inside of you gifts, abilities, skills, that he wants you to use, not to puff yourself up, but to bless other people and promote the kingdom of God and promote Jesus where you are. Yes or no? And, and he wants you to do that. But see, see that, that happens the moment you come to Jesus. But see, many are called. It happens to every person, but it says few are chosen. And then the apostle Paul, he clearly identifies it. Called to be an apostle. When was he called to be an apostle? Perhaps from the foundations of the earth when God wrote the book of his life. And then when he came to Jesus, that apostolic call was placed down inside of him. But it took 17 years, think of it, before from the time that Paul was saved, hence called, and then separated to what God had called him. And, and the thing that caused the separation was his faithfulness. And see, I was called, for instance, I mentioned that last time in 1977, February of 1977. My goal was to be a good business guy and, uh, and make money for my family. But see, God changed my design, changed my goal. 
I came to Jesus six months prior to that. Then he called me to, to, to full-time ministry. I didn't know exactly what that looked like then. But then again, for me, I think it was uh, 17, 18 years later, I'm here. I've been here for 29 years. But, you know, I would have never gotten here unless I had proved myself faithful in small things. Does that make sense? Same way with the Apostle Paul. He had to, he had to go through some, some, some crazy times. So think about Joseph. Uh, he had the vision of his family bowing down before him. And, uh, and it took 13 years from the time he uh, mentioned that dream he had to his brothers until the time that he became uh, the person that was right next to Pharaoh in Egypt. And then his family came and they actually did obeisance before him. It took years of training, years of being faithful in the small things, years of having a good attitude while in prison for something he did not do. How many hear me? So, you know, life is a proving ground. It's a training ground. And the local church is God's design for a, as a place for all of us to be faithful so that the seeds he places in us when we come to Jesus can front come to fruition. How many hear what I'm saying? So, um, uh, so many today come to Jesus, but they lack the commitment to a local church. And I actually ended last time talking about this just a little bit. And I just mentioned it real little, a little bit more in past. Uh, uh, the internet, for all it is, there are a lot of things it isn't. It can never take the place of a local church. And there's a, a big problem in the body of Christ today with believers now. You know, if you're my age, you lived before, and I see many of you as I look around, uh, that lived before the advent of the Internet, and you know what life was like, and before cell phones were in vogue and available. And, you know, life was completely different then, and you had to put your body uh, in uh, where things that you were interested in were, Right? But now you can stay in one little chair and travel the world. And you can stay in one little chair and, and, and listen to dozens of different ministries. Yes or no? That will not help you grow. You only grow by applying yourself to something. And you can listen to lots of ministries, but unless you're being faithful in some way. It doesn't take a lot of faithfulness. Let's get real. For me to take this phone right here out and travel the world, yes or no? Doesn't take a lot. It just takes me knowing how to navigate a little bit, right? And stay away from the bad stuff. Is that true? Yeah. But if you want to grow spiritually, you got to get yourself up and apply yourself somewhere. And that's what the local church is all about. And that has not changed. How many hear me? So you can ingest a lot of information. You can be involved in some really good services, particularly if you got some surround sound like I do at home. And you can stick thing on your TV and just, you know, you can beam it over there. Woo-hoo, look at him, man. We right there with everybody. And that's great, but that doesn't mean you're growing spiritually. It just means you're having a good time and you're entertaining yourself. Yes or no? But faithfulness, when you come to a local church, you find out that other people are just like you. The issue is God placed something in you. It's hard for that gift that God placed innately in you to do anything when you're alone. You've got to be among others. Yes or no? That's the reason to be in physical personage in a local church and then get involved. How many hear what I'm saying? So faithfulness in, in, uh, enables us to enter into the place that God has for us. The test 
of God's purpose for our life is the test of faithfulness. So it's only when I'm faithful that I can find the plan of God for my life. That's the thing I want to get across. Listen to these scripture. I think I shared some of these last time. Here they are again. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. This is the Amplified, which brings out the meaning of the original scriptures in a more clear way, full way. Moreover, it's essentially required in stewards that a man be found what? And then he describes it, proving him or herself himself generic for mankind or in general, including women, proving himself worthy of trust. Matthew 28, verse 20, a faithful man or person will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. I've taken the first part of that, thought about that a lot. A faithful person, a faithful man, a faithful woman will abound with blessings. And see, I try to apply that to me. When I was a young man in my late teens, when I first came to Jesus in my early 20s, as I was going through Bible school and being involved in a local church, I had to ask myself, am I, am I being faithful? Am I proving myself worthy of trust, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians? Am I going to abound with blessings by just being a faithful person? 1 Timothy 1.12, I love this verse. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. Watch this. Putting me into the ministry and in the margin of my old Bible. And I, I wrote them down here from the margin of a Bible I've had for many years. <clears throat> I wrote several translations of 1 Timothy 1.12 down. Rotherham's translation says this. Uh, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Instead of that it says grateful am I to he that empowered me. Did you know that God will empower you when you decide to do something? But the power won't come if you're sitting alone doing nothing. Huh? Think about it. Henry Alford's translation. I give thanks to him. I like this. Who puts strength in me? When does the strength uh, come? It's when you decide to move. Not be inert, but move, right? New English Bible is perhaps my favorite. I mentioned this Sunday in our, in our um, uh, members class. I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who has made me equal to the task? And see, that's the one that's gotten me. And, and often, and I mentioned this last time, that God will call you to do things that are so far beyond you or that, let me say it a different way, God will call you to do things that make you feel uncomfortable. So let me just, most of my life, I've been uncomfortable. Um, when I was in college, we had uh, speech classes where we had to get up and give speeches. I threw up the day of speech class. Uh, the first time I spoke to a thousand people at our church in Oklahoma on a Wednesday night, guess what happened? The whole day on the following Thursday, the next day, I threw up all day long because it just jittered me on the inside to have to do that. No kidding. So, so you know, here I am, a person called to ministry, called to teach, called to be a pastor, and I don't even like to get up in front of people and show my face. Because it makes me nervous. See, that's what God will do. He'll have you do things that make you uncomfortable. Maybe you don't like to talk. He may place you in a place and he says, I want you to talk. Well, I don't want to talk. Well, I want you to talk. Right? Or, or, or I could just give a thousand examples. Of it. You get my point. He's made me equal to the task. Here's what I found. God uses us like a rubber band. He will stretch you. You ever had a rubber band and you stretched it until it looks like you can't stretch it anymore and it's going to break? Often God will, I know it sounds crazy, he'll do that kind of thing in your life. So you might be at a point in life and you feel stretched right now. It's like, 
man, I just don't know if I'm cut out for this. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, but see, sometimes God will put you in a place like that just to see if you'll be faithful when the pressure's on, when it doesn't seem like you're able to do what you know he wants you to do. And see, here's the issue. If he, if he give you things that you could do without him, you could brag on yourself. But you know what? When he places you in a place and you can't do it alone, that's when he shines the most. Can, can I be real with you? I don't know what happened to me today. I hit, I hit the wall today mentally, emotionally, and physically. I just got tired. And I, just in every way. And no, here's how it works. And I knew this would happen. And I was in my office before the meeting. And I was at my couch and I was kneeling down. And I had my face in my hands and said, God, you know, here I am again. I've done this thousands of times. But today, I just can't do this without you. And here I am tonight. I don't even feel tired. See, that's what he does. He'll take your rubber band and stretch it. And then he'll ask you the simple question, will you trust me? And he does it over and over and over. And then he'll change what the rubber band is attached to and what the stretching is. And they say, okay, you prove yourself there. Now let's take it off of that. And let's give you something else to do. And you say, well, I don't like to do that. I'm not even, I don't even want to think about that. He said, well, that's what I want you to do. That's how God is. How many understand me? And when you're faithful to what he asks you to do, he always provides the ability. I don't know who I'm talking about today, but somebody's pulling this out from inside of me. You need to hear this. Don't give up. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you reap if you don't faint. How many hear me? Man, I feel that. 2 Timothy 2.2, the things you've heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these, watch this, to faithful men. Again, when the Bible says men, it's usually speaking generically of humankind, which includes only men and women. There are no other persons other than male and female. How many get it? So yeah, just read between the lines on that. Commit these to faithful people, you could say, who will be able to teach others also. Faithfulness starts, but watch, with just being faithful in the small thing. See, what you do in the little, you'll do in the big. So let me say this. So the, uh, one, this is one area I've seen this really play out. I've had people tell me, say, well, you know, I'm coming into an inheritance. I'm going to get X amount of dollars. I said, well, man, God, God's blessed you. And you know, when that happens, I'm going to give you X, Y, Z tithe off of that. Well, so that'll be a blessing to us. As you know, I've rarely seen it because what I know. Oh, I've had so many promises over the years. You know what happens? If you're not giving before you get it, then you won't give when you do. Because big things have little beginnings. And what you do in the little, you do in the big, right? Zechariah 4.10, for who has despised the day of small things? So you may be in an area that to you is seemingly small. You're doing something that's insignificant. Nobody's paying attention to you. Maybe the pastor's not noticing. Maybe I'm not noticing. My staff team's not noticing. Maybe you do something, doing something around Victory Church. And maybe you're doing something in another sphere of life. And people aren't just paying attention. God always sees what you do. And he understands the principle. He created the principle. What you do when, when you're small, you'll do when you're large. If you can't do it when you're little, you won't do it when you're big. 
just that way. So the attitudes I have when the onus is on me and nobody knows, and really the ramifications of me not doing it won't make a lot of difference to anybody but me. See, that's when God trains and tests your character when it won't hurt other people as much. Do you hear what I'm saying? But it will affect you. And so that when the responsibilities come and the stakes are higher and God needs you to stay at it when you don't feel like it, when you do it when you're little, you'll do it when you're bigger. And I've seen that play out in my life. I can tell you that had God not brought me through the things that he brought me through from 1976 when I came to Jesus and then 1981 when I started ministry, uh, if he had not brought me through the, the 70s and the 80s and then the early 90s and then I came here in October of 94, it's been 29 years. If I hadn't have gone through some things before I got here, I would have never been able to do this assignment. And, and now, you know, uh, I love what I do. I, I wouldn't give up what I do to be president. I mean, you know, I just love what I just enjoy. But I look back on it, it's like, you know, I have less time, free time than I've ever had. I do more, I think, than I ever had. But I'm, but I'm more settled and satisfied because God, you know, God took me through a process of, of just being faithful in the little things and, and, and being accustomed to the pressure. How many hear what I'm saying? The pressure of doing and being when you just don't feel like it. How many hear me? You see, that, that's, that's when it makes the difference. So when you do it in the small thing, when the stakes aren't high, as you're faithful in the little things, and then God gradually gives you more responsibility, then you know you can handle it. But see, it's not you. It's no longer I that lives, but Jesus lives in me right? Maybe you say, well, I'm not a faithful person. You know, if you let Jesus shine in you, he'll, he'll cause you to become a faithful person. And it's those small things that make the difference. Matthew 25, 21, well done, good and faithful servant. What says, you were faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of your Lord. So question, what small things? Ask yourself, and if you can't answer this uh, affirmatively, then ask God to open up something for you. What small thing have you shown yourself faithful in? Ask yourself that. You say, well, not anything really. Well, well then, you know, well, then take that to task and say, God, take it to your prayer place and say, God, open up a place for me to show you that I love you and that I want to honor you and that I want to use your ability on the skill you placed inside me. Help me, Lord. And if you'll do that, God will open up a small thing. And just be aware, it may not be the thing you want to do or even you like to do. It may be something you despise. But if you'll do it with your heart, God will bless you. And promotion comes through faithfulness. How many hear me? So, you know, uh, I, my story, of course, you know, I started... I started just doing things around local churches when I went to Bible school in the 70s in my hometown in Florence, South Carolina, helping clean the building and do the grass and do different things. I, I just started being faithful. Susan, I moved to Tulsa. I started setting chairs down. That's why, you know, we set the chairs and whatever. I used to set 1,200 chairs. A week. Actually, uh, 1,200 chairs uh, twice a week. Uh, actually, we had to take them up. So four times I helped a crew handle 1,200 chairs. 
We have 5,000 people in a 1,200-seat building. We have multiple services. And then we had a big Christian school. Everything's busy. And then we had to put up tables. And, uh, and the, uh, the place we had where, where we had worship service was also the lunchroom for the, for the school and also the gymnasium for the school. So it was nuts. And uh, I was part of that crew. Did I like that? Uh-uh. No, it was just aggravating. And I would leave my job tired, go to be faithful at church because I knew the Lord wanted me to do it. But see how it eventuates? I had a hospital ministry one time in Tulsa where I uh, frequented five hospitals a week. Did I enjoy that? Not even. You know, honestly, it was hard because you never know. If you got a big church and a lot of people, there's a lot of people that just rather not see your face enter the door of the hospital room. Now, I know that sounds odd because often it wasn't the church members in the hospital. It was their family and their friends, and they just wanted somebody from their church to go visit them. And I don't know how many times I went to a hospital room, and I felt, we don't want you here. They didn't say it, but I saw it on their face, and I saw it on the way they responded to me. How many hear me? And see, that teaches you. And that, see, it taught me a lot. It taught me to how, to be in, how to be graceful in, in socially uncomfortable situations putting it mildly. How many hear me? So, you know, I became a janitor to church, and that's a great place to test faithfulness because, you know, I, you heard my phrase, I was dealing with God's nasty people because, you know, all the bathrooms were dirty, and, you know, it's like cattle. We got all these people coming through the building on Sunday. Took a couple of days to clean the thing back up for the service on Wednesday, but then, then we had Christian school all the time, and everybody's just nasty. That's what I Everybody's just nasty. People just nasty. And I had to deal with my attitude. God loves those nasty people, as I called it. <clears throat> and so I had, <clears throat> I had to start saying, well, God's blessed people. <clears throat> God's sweet people. God's favored people. So he had to deal with my attitude. And then, and then he'll have you do something. you say, God, if you don't let me stop doing this and give me something else, I'm just going to quit everything. And he'll say, well, as long as you've got that attitude, you get to stay right where you're at. <laughs> it's just the way it works. Yeah, often God will bring you to the end of yourself. And so again, when you're being faithful, understand often it's maybe something that at the moment you don't like to do, but understand it's just a training ground, right? And, and that's why if you have children, the best thing you have to do for your kids, you know, set up some, set up some parameters in your home that encourages them and then, you know, makes them do things they don't like to do. Your job this week is to take out the trash. Your job this week is to clean the bathroom. We have four children. They all had different assignments every week. One, we had three bathrooms in our house. We had two living areas. One had the bathrooms. One had the kitchen. One had the downstairs living area. One had the upstairs living area. One had the hallway up and down the, and the stairs. And then everybody had to keep their room clean, right? And what does that do? It just breeds responsibility, right? So again, God tests our loyalty. Let me say this. When I, um, when I, um, when I uh, got on staff at the church in Tulsa, and this has happened to me two times, uh, here's what I noticed. It was a, a wonderful place. Uh, Bob Yandon was the pastor, but as I was on the staff team for years, six years, uh, and what I began to notice as I began to grow spiritually and I, as I was faithful, I noticed there were things I disagreed with him on. And that became a test. Because then I began to think, you know, if I was pastor, I'd do it that way. And, you know, if I was in his shoes, I wouldn't make that decision. And I don't think he should be doing that. And, you know, you got all this, right? You know what I'm talking about? And you know what? I didn't even think about what was going on at the moment. But you know what was happening? A test was happening. God wanted to see if I would be faithful 
even if I didn't like something the senior pastor said or did. That didn't mean he was right. But nobody had the anointing he had to pastor the church at the time. Right? And see, it was a test for me. Would I toe the line? Would I go behind his back and gossip to another staff team member or another, another member of the church and say, well, no, I disagree with him too. I think that's wrong too. Do you know when you do that, you see it and God hears it. Can he trust a person that will talk about things they dislike to somebody else? No, he can't. So sometimes God will put you in situations with, with somebody who has, a, uh, who has a loud mouth and he wants to see if you have bucket ears. Because if you'll listen to the mess, he can't use you. You got to be willing. And, and, and he did that to me in that big church. I say, you know, we're not talking about that today. You need to talk to the pastor. I never told anybody else how I felt. I wrote it in my journal and you'll never read it. Notice when I left that church, you know, and, and I was on the platform on a Sunday night. It was September of um, actually the end of August 1988. And I had preached that night. He come up and they prayed over me and released me into ministry. I moved back to the Carolina, started a church. And Susan, I had three children and she was pregnant with our third child. Actually, at the time we had two pregnant with the third one. We had four eventually. And, uh, and he made this comment. I'm, I, I never forget. I'm standing on stage beside Bob Yandin. And he was just talking about how long I'd been there. And I was a personal ministry director and such. And, he's, and he said this. Uh, he said, well, you know, ever, ever since Mitch has been on staff here at Grace Church, he said, not one time have I ever had to go and reprimand Mitch. He always had an exemplary attitude. And he always did it right. And inside of me, I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Because I had so many times I disagreed with so many things. But you know what? As I grew it a little more spiritually, when I look back on that, the man was right. I just thought I was right sometimes. I'm just glad I didn't open my mouth. How many hear what I'm saying? See, it's a test. Second thing, we moved to Carolinas. Long story, short, uh, short story of it was I got on staff as an associate pastor of a church in my hometown. And the pastor and I were like diametric opposites in so many ways. And I won't, don't need to go into that except to say, I wasn't him and he wasn't me. And I just didn't, if, you know, if I hadn't been in ministry, we probably wouldn't be social type friends. Now, how many know you got to love everybody here? But that doesn't mean you're going to socialize with everybody here, right? You got to love everybody here. But that doesn't mean everybody has the, you know, the things that, that attract you as a friend. Is that true? But you still need to love everybody as a brother or a sister, right? So, so there I was in, in this ministry. And, you know, if you're uh, on the staff team with someone else, you need to honor them. And you need to make them look good whether you like it or not. That's the way it is because that's honoring the position, right? And we need to learn that in America all over again. And uh, I had so many times that, uh, you know, Brown, I said, God, round peg, square hole. But you know what happened? I was a, his associate pastor. He came up to me one day. He had been on a short-term missions trip to Latvia and said, Mitch, I, I, I know what, and his wife talked, I mentioned this in our class Sunday, I think. His wife came up to me and said, Mitch, you know, uh, Carl, his name was Carl, said, um, he went on that mission trip, he just ain't been the same. And I said to her, oh, everybody that goes on a mission trip feels that way when they get back. They usually get over in a few weeks. And she came up to me weeks later and said, he's not over it yet. 
He took me out to lunch to my favorite Mexican restaurant and fed me a nice Mexican meal along with chips and salsa. And we finished. And I was drinking my tea. And he said, Mitch, uh, and I can, uh, you know, this one thing about him. I knew he had something up his craw when he said, Mitch, I got something to tell you. I said, uh-oh. What's he going to do this time? And he said, I am moving to Latvia for a year. And I want you to take my church from me. I thought, Jesus. I said, really? He said, uh-huh. I'm taking my, oh, he had two children. He said, I'm taking both my kids. I'm going to sell my house and put my furniture up in a place and just, uh, you know, in storage. And I'm, I'm going. We're leaving. We're going. We're moving. I said, okay, I'll do that. So January of 94, now three to January of 94, I pastored his church for him. And y'all, um, I, instead, I, I can't tell the whole story. I don't have time except to say that whole year was a proving ground for me because you don't know how many times people came up to me and in so many words they would say, you know, Pastor Mitch, you, you, you preach better than Carl. I'm not making this up. I say, you need to shut up. <laughs> or I said, you need to hush. Or I would say, don't say that again. According to who it was, I might have said, you need to shut up. <laughs> you know? Some people you got to be terse with. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I said, no, 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 I don't preach bad. Don't you ever say that, and you shouldn't think that. And you know what? I'm not going to allow you to be that way. And don't you say that to anyone else. I'm here obeying God. He's your pastor, not me. And I'm not here promoting me. I'm promoting Jesus. I'm preaching, I'm preaching the word, and we're going to build up the pastor. So every week, listen, Every week, I called the pastor. He lived in Latvia. We spent all the money. I talked to him. I recorded his voice. And on Sunday mornings, here's your pastor. Press the button. And he would talk to the congregation. This is Pastor Carl. I didn't even like the way he talked, but it didn't matter. <laughs> He's the pastor, not me. You got it? It's just the way it was. And every week I would do it. I went to see him. I took a list of his people. And you know what? I didn't realize what I was doing. Everybody, okay, I've got to close down pretty quickly here. But listen, listen. <laughs> God knows. I, I went to see him in Latvia in June of uh, 1993. And it just happened to be his birthday. So we went out to eat, yada, yada, yada. And I took a whole list of all the people in the church. And I sat down at lunch. And I just went through the list. This person's doing this, 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 this. I talked to him about every single person in his church. It wasn't my church. It's his church. I'm associate. He's pastor. And years later, you know what he told I didn't even know. You know what he told me? He said, Mitch, you just don't know how afraid I was that, God, that something would happen and, 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 and that, you know, you could have took my church from me. But here's what he said. When, when you took that list and you showed me all my people and you talked about them and you loved them, he, knew, he said, I knew my church was in good hands. And listen to this. See, see, I actually stopped making cassette tapes that year because cassette tapes were in vogue before even CDs were available. And I said, don't make any, any sermons of mine. Don't pass them out to the congregation. I'm just going to preach the word, love the people. And a lot happened that year. And the church was larger, better. We bought the building while he was gone. A lot happened. They were actually leasing. The, we bought the building, paved the park. I got a lot of story to tell about this. I don't have time. But when he came back, I was able to give that pastor 
his church back to him. Now Luke 16, if you can't be faithful over another man's, how can, be, how can God trust you with that which is your own? Do you hear me? So if you can't be faithful in a local church, doing what God's called somebody else to do and helping them do that, God cannot trust you with your own. Does that make sense? So y'all, I mean, those lessons are deep inside me. And but by the grace of God am I here. And I don't really think I'm anybody special. But you know, I am a person that decided that I'm going to let the rubber band stretch. I'm going to do the uncomfortable thing. I'm going to honor people that God has put in positions of responsibility. Whether I like them, whether I agree with them, I'm going to honor them. And if I do that, I'll enter into what God has for me. How many understand the principle? That is the principle. And I'm over time. Let me close with this one. Listen to this. Listen to this. Ah. This is um, what I just read. This is uh, or quoted. Luke 16, 10, who is faithful in what is least is faithful in much. He who is unjust in, in what is least is unjust also in much. If you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Wow. Now watch this. I'm going to close and we'll actually stop with this. I just want to read this, this story Jesus gave. Is this a shocking story? I get no more credit in heaven than you do. If you do what God has called you to do. So if God's called you to do something and you're in the middle of being faithful, aspiring to that, you'll get the same credit that Billy Graham gets for being an evangelist or Oral Roberts ad for being a healing evangelist or whoever, anybody, whoever else you esteem. You get what I'm saying? In the Lord. Uh, so, so the faithful intercessor who, who nobody knows their name. In heaven, they're just as honored as the person that gets all the accolades on earth and maybe more so. So listen to the parable. Listen to the story. Matthew 20. This is New Living Translation. First 16 verses as I close. The kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal wage and sent them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, I'm assuming it's like two or three hours later, 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day, and they, they did it. So they went to work in the vineyard at noon, so three hours later, noon. And again at 3 o'clock, three hours later. So every three hours, he hired more people. He did the same thing. At 5 o'clock in the afternoon, two hours later after that 3 o'clock hire, um, he saw people standing around. He asked them, well, haven't you been working today? They replied, no one's hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too received a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. It seems unfair. Huh? He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I want to pay this last worker the same as you. 
Is it against the law for me to do what I want to do with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then. And those who were first will be last. All of us get the same pain. Some of us bear the brunt of the work, the heat of the day. But when you get to heaven, the ground is level. God looks for one thing. I don't care if nobody knows your name. I don't care if you're a little, in a little ch- church in Timbuktu <laughs> and you're keeping the doorknob clean when people come in. I don't care what you do or you're the intercessor that nobody sees, hears, or knows about. If you're doing what God told you to do, you get the same reward as the greatest man that you've ever heard in the history of the church. How many hear me? Because God, our Father, is the landowner. And he pays everybody the same. And he pays according to faithfulness. Close your eyes. Lift your hands. Lord God Almighty, I feel you. Lord, I feel you in the room. Uh, Lord, I feel you making adjustments in our hearts. Lord, I feel you making adjustments in our attitudes, in our motivations. Lord, I feel you speaking to us. I feel you, I feel you strengthening us. And ministering life to us. Lord, I, I feel you ministering to people on the, on the internet that are watching. I feel you talking to us. And I feel you beckoning us to be faithful. Even when nobody's looking and even when we don't understand and even when we feel stretched. Let the grace of God come into every life. And wherever we are in our journey, help us. Help us to hear those words one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your Lord. And Lord, as I close, I pray for any person listening to my voice hasn't accepted Jesus as their Savior. They bow their knee, bow their heart, humble themselves, repent of sin, and make things right with you. In the name of Jesus. You're watching on the internet or you may be in the room. If you don't know Jesus, you can know him. But you've got to give your life away. It's the way the kingdom of God is. If you want life, you've got to give him yours. He'll give you his in exchange for yours. But you've got to be willing to forsake the way you're living. You might be strung out on drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, self-centered stuff. You may be a narcissist and life is all about you. You've got to be willing to let life be all about Jesus and not you. Be willing to do that, Jesus, and cleanse your sin and make you right. So, you know, if you're watching online, if you're in the room and you need to give your life to Jesus, maybe you've fallen away from God and need to come back, you can tonight. I want everybody in the room as we conclude the meeting tonight, would you pray out loud with me for the sake of those that may be in here? I'm looking around. I think I know everybody in here, but you know what? Somebody online, you may not may need Jesus as your Savior. Bow your knee. Get on your knees right now. Maybe you're where nobody else is. Hey, Get on your knees. Pray with me. Everybody pray it out loud. Heavenly Father, I have sinned. I know it. I'm wrong. And I repent. And I ask you to forgive me for the life I've lived. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. That you're the virgin-born Son of God. That you died for my sin. And that you rose from death to make me right with God. Jesus, come into my life. Cleanse my sin and make me free and give me a new life. Beginning now, I'll turn away from what I was and accept Jesus. 
and, and help me to be what he wants me to be. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, if you'd let us know, we got some good information. If y'all throw that stuff up on the screen, you normally do. Uh, if you'll uh, yeah, text Jesus VC, that's it, to that number 95,000. Is that it? 94,000. No, we have some information that'll come your way. If you're in the room, come and talk to me or any of the staff team you see here. We'd love to pray with you and believe God with you. And uh, Father, as we go tonight, let the Spirit of God work deeply in each person, I pray.